You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. It's season 12 of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is the seasonal series from the Sonic Society in which producers and actors from the modern age of audio drama recreate and reproduce classic old-time radio plays. The Playhouse is open to all producers and creators of modern audio drama to bring to a contemporary audience these classic plays. And now, for our premiere performance, we go to the host of Sonic Summerstock Playhouse, who is just arriving, Mr. David Alt. Watch your step, Mr. Alt. Oh, thanks, Morris. Much appreciated. Oh, well, they've really pulled out all the stops. Folks are just glad for a night out after last year, sir. Indeed so. Have a good night now. Well, hello there, and thanks for waiting for me at the front of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. I'm David Ault, and this is our oof, 12th year of the Playhouse. Well, let's just uh, go inside. Popcorn popping, lights and posters of our inaugural show. Oh, it's so good to be back and things are looking wonderful. Even the ushers are looking dapper in their red uniforms and brass buttons, but we shouldn't tarry. We should head straight to our seats. And tonight's gala performance is from Jeff Billard and his Audio Groove Cats, partnered with the Amigos Collective. Our classic recreation this evening is Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, The Man Who Wrote Himself to Death, and stars Joe Stofko as the man with the action-packed expense account. And tonight's feature is dedicated to our dear brother, Bill Holwig. Well, the curtain's lifting on our premiere show of the 12th season, Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Time for Joe Stofko as... Johnny Dollar. Mr. Dollar, this is Miss Ramey, Legal Department, Britannia, Casualty and Life. Oh, yeah, Miss Ramey. Thanks for calling back. I just want to get something straight. If a murderer is executed, does his policy still pay off? Why, that's an unusual question. As far as I know, yes, but we've never faced that situation. Well, put your makeup on. It's liable to happen any minute. Joe Stofko in another transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account. Submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Britannia Casualty and Life, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of Stuart Palmer, the man who wrote himself to death. 
Expense account, item 1, $123.42. Airfare and miscellaneous travel expenses from Hartford to Chicago and the Cook County Jail. Well, you can make up your own mind about him, Dollar. He's like all those writers. If he isn't guilty, he's crazy. How are you, Lieutenant? Oh, hi, Markowitz. This is Mr. Dollar. Pleasure to meet you, Mr. Dollar. Uh, Hello, how are you? He's an insurance dick. He wants to talk to Palmer. Call him out, will you? Sure thing, Lieutenant. Hey, Palmer! Your mother's here! I'll see you on your way out, Dollar. Yeah, thanks a lot, Lieutenant. Here's your boy, Mr. Dollar. You'll have to talk to him through the door. Stuart Palmer? Yes? My name is Dollar. Britannia Casualty and Life sent me out here. I understand you're in some difficulty. If there's anything I can do to help... You didn't come to help me. You came to investigate a new policy. Now look. I don't need your help. Or anybody else's. I paid my first premium. That's all you or the company need to be concerned about. They're concerned about the fact that you're being held under the suspicion of murder. It doesn't affect the policy. Have you retained counsel? It's none of your business. Uh, thanks for the cooperation. It's nice to meet friends in a strange city. You can have a Markowitz. Thanks. Well, Dollar, lovable, isn't he? What have you got on him? Not much. Some wino was killed in a Clark Street pool room. Palmer was holding one of the cues. We pulled him in with about 14 others. When are you going to release him? We're not sure. He's been in before, you know. Tell me, what's the matter with him? Who knows? He's a writer. Crime stuff. He hangs around the West Madison District a lot of the time and calls it research. Does he still have that Kenwood address? Uh, wait a second. Yeah, 5715. Well, I hope his wife is jollier than he is. Oh, Mr. Martin! Oh, it was... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were someone else. I am. My name is Dollar. I'm an insurance investigator. I'm sorry, we got all the insurance we could use. I've said investigator. I want to talk to you about your husband. Oh, come in. Why do you do this to him? I know why. It's like he says. You're all after him. You don't like him because he's a genius. You don't understand him. You'll never understand him. Ever. Oh, now wait a minute. You can try all you want to. As Stuart says... When one human being does something better than another human being, that's when they attack him. Well, go ahead. Oh, look, Mrs. Palmer, I'm on your side. I'm not the police. Uh, Oh. Now, why don't you sit down, and I'll explain the whole thing to you. There, that's better. Now, your husband took out a $100,000 life insurance policy last week. Well, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Mrs. Palmer, please. And this week... Your husband is arrested on suspicion of murder. There, now, you see? Don't know anything about him. And already you're accusing him of... 
the most awful things. I'm not accusing him of anything, Mrs. Palmer. I'm just trying to help. I talked with your husband a little while ago. He wasn't very cooperative. I'd hoped you would be. You put him in jail, and then you expect him to be cooperative? <sighs> Does he have a lawyer? Yes, of course. Mr. Martin. That's who I thought you were. How does Mr. Martin feel about this? He's been very nice. Stuart isn't worried. Stuart knows that Mr. Martin can spring him any time he wants. I see. Uh, what does your husband write? Books? He used to write for the radio, but as he says, it's a very limited medium. So one morning he went to his agent and tore that contract right up in his face. At, and that very day... He started to write his play, a hundred and forty pages, uh -huh. with real people in every scene. Took every one of them from life. Is the play about crime? How did you know that? Because I met your husband doing research in jail, in the company of a lot of criminals. Well, it's only because they don't understand, as he says. They don't put a doctor in bed in a hospital because he's doing... Research on a dangerous disease. People don't know good from evil. That's what's wrong. They're afraid of the truth. And that's what Stuart writes. He practically lives with his subjects. Criminals. Yes, he studies them. Nobody can write believably about something unless they're familiar with it. That's the sacrifice he makes. You don't get to see much of him, do you? His work is infinitely more important than I am. But as soon as his play is produced, we're going away together. <laughs> Atlantic City or Bermuda. The manuscript has been in New York City for six months now. So it shouldn't be long before he hears. You know? What's your husband's income been for the past six months? Well, th there hasn't been much. But great art is often born of poverty. But $100,000 insurance policies aren't. Who's this man, Neil Beasley, your co-beneficiary? If you're going to sit here and be insulting, perhaps you'd better leave. Perhaps I'd better. You mentioned an agent. What's his name? George Michaelkoff. And please, don't slam the door. <laughs> Crazy. The guy's crazy. You can't do business with a guy like that. Art, he talks. Everything's got to be art. Spends his time with bums and calls it art. Hasn't he done anything for six months, Mr. Michaelkoff? Not with me. Well, let's face it. Not with nobody. You know, he could have been a good writer, this boy, but he was too arty. Not commercial. Then, bam, he's got to go write a play. And where is it? Probably in the bottom drawer of Hallstein's desk. And it'll stay there. Here's a copy. Take it along and read it. Thanks. What about this research he does? Research? Is that what he told you? How do you think they eat? I had to go down to county and bail him out. Twice. That's what washed me up. Someday they're going to catch him with the goods on him. Maybe it started out to be research, but it ain't now. Oh, how did it start? With a guy named Neil Beasley. Neil Beasley? Oh, you heard of him, huh? Yeah, that's the boy. He took Palmer under his wing, and that's where he still is. I don't know. Maybe he can't get out. Beasley came up to the office with Palmer once. What a character. Where does this Beasley hang out, do you know? Who knows? Nasty neighborhoods. 
Expense account, item two, 80 cents, cab fare to a nasty neighborhood. After a lot of questions and bad bourbon, I came across a character who called himself Roscoe. Roscoe was the walking who's who of the district. When I mentioned the name Beasley, he swallowed his drink, wiped the back of his hand over his mouth, and leaned over the table toward me. Beasley, Beasley, let's see, uh, Beasley. Come on, here, here's something to stimulate your memory. Oh, yes, of course, Beasley. Neil Beasley, <laughs> been a friend of mine for years, slipped my mind, getting old. Beasley was born in Cincinnati, of well-to-do parents. They say he attended Harvard, but uh, perhaps it's only a story. You know how stories start. Well, skip the history. Where can I find him? Any number of places. If the racetrack was open, you'd find him there. But the racetrack ain't open. There is his place of residence. Well, where's that? I don't know, but he must live somewhere. Obviously. Uh, what would you suggest? You familiar with the Atomic Tavern up the street? I'm a stranger in town. Peoria? No. Yeah, you have the face of a Peoria salesman. I don't know, something in the eyes there. Yes, well, the Atomic Tavern, up the street. Thanks, Roscoe. Hey, you never did say where you were from. Hartford, Connecticut. If you're ever in town, look me up. Four blocks away, squeezed between a delicatessen and a shoe parlor, I came upon the Atomic Tavern. It exploded just as I arrived. And stay out. That's no name to call a lady. Come right in, sir. Anybody with a civil tongue is welcome. Uh, thanks. Is Neil Beasley around? Who wants him? The name is Johnny Dollar. I'm a friend of Stuart Palmer. You tell him that. He's at the back table. All right, boys, what'll you have? Is your name Beasley? Mr. Beasley. Who are you? Mr. Dollar. What's your business, Dollar? Insurance. The investigation end. Can I sit down? I'm working for a company that holds a policy on the life of Stuart Palmer. Ah, the insurance racket. I wonder how it started. I suppose somebody back in Rome bet Julius Caesar ten drachmas that he wouldn't live through the 15th of March and won. What do you want with me? I'm looking for somebody who'll make some sense. Maybe you're it. I understand you're Palmer's beneficiary. That's right. He's a good boy. Maybe, but not a good risk. The company insures a radio writer. I come out here and learn he's a petty criminal. What's your problem, Dollar? Why don't you cancel the policy? I will, if I can. Tell me, what got him started? Well, put yourself in his place. He spends a lot of time around here learning so he can write good stuff. He writes good stuff, so good they won't buy it. So he falls back on his education. Yeah, that's logical, but illegal. Oh, they'll get him. They'll get me too. It's fate. The bumps on your head, 
the lines in your hands, the stars, destiny. <laughs> Who can stop it? That's quite a philosophy you've... I was looking toward the front of the building. I hadn't seen him come in, but it was Stuart Palmer. He was standing at the elbow of the bar, obviously looking for his friend. And when he spotted me, he started for the door. Sit down, Dollar. That's my arm, Beasley. Oh, sit down and leave him alone. The cops released him. He's in the clear. Just leave him alone. Let go, Beasley. Hey, you guys. Watch the furniture. Lay off. Watch what you're doing. By the time I got outside, he was half a block away, heading west. I knocked over several West Madison Street characters, and then it suddenly dawned on me that the only reason I was chasing him was because he was running away from me. I was 50 feet behind him when he rounded a Walgreens drugstore on the corner. For a second, I lost him. Then I saw him. He wasn't running. He was turned toward me. Palmer, don't! The crowd! I bent over the newsboy just long enough to see that he was dead. Then I started after Palmer again. There was no mistake about it. He wanted that policy, and he'd kill to keep it. In just a moment, we will return you to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. But first, the screen-sophisticated, caustic Mr. Belvedere, alias Clifton Webb, will swap quips with Bing Crosby on the Groner CBS show this Wednesday night. CBS cordially invites you to hear this show that promises some of the best laughs of the season when it comes out on most of these same stations this Wednesday night. Mildred Bailey, the rocking chair lady of popular song, will also be on hand as guest star. So be listening when Clifton Webb, Mildred Bailey, and Bing Crosby get together tomorrow night. Now, with our star, Joe Stofko, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. I lost Palmer in the next block. If daylight had held for a little longer, maybe I could have stopped the whole thing. I looked at my watch. It was 6.05. The Hartford office was closed. I headed back for a phone in the Walgreens drugstore. I got to the corner just as the police and the person of Lieutenant Carrigan pulled up. All right, you people. Clear away. Clear away. Clear away. Dollar, what the devil are you doing here? Look at the kid lying there. If you hadn't let that maniac out, he wouldn't be. He'd still be hawking his papers. Hey, back off. What are you talking about? He was shooting at me. What did you let him out for? Look, Dollar, there are laws. I told you earlier we didn't have much on him. 
He was clear. He's sure not clear on this one. Uh, the kid only had three papers left. I think you'd better tell me what happened, Dollar. Well, uh, let's move away from here. Yeah. Hey, folks, why don't you go home? Come on, move on, huh? I don't know what there is about people. They're just glad it wasn't their kid. Now here's the tale. I came down here to find a guy named Neil Beasley, a friend of Palmer's. Palmer showed up in the joint, and when he saw me, he made a dash up the street. I took out after him, and when I got to the corner, he opened up. The kid was standing next to me. After the gunfire, I went after Palmer again, and believe me, I wish I'd caught him. Yeah. Hey, Sergeant, put a general out on Stuart Palmer. All the dope's in my office. Yes, sir. Why would he want to kill you? That's a hundred thousand dollar question, Lieutenant. I'll be in the drugstore. I've got to make a phone call. Mr. Sandal? Yes? I'm sorry to bother you at home. I'm on the Palmer case out of your Hartford office. Oh, yes. Mr. Dollar, isn't it? How are you making out? Things couldn't be worse. Your only move is to cancel the policy. How soon can you do that? On good ground? Oh, couldn't get word from the East until tomorrow afternoon at the earliest. If you can't do it tonight, just forget the whole thing. I don't understand. The police have put out a general alarm for the policyholder, dead or alive, and the odds are on the bad side. Oh. All right, Dollar. I'll do what I can. I'll get on the phone to Hartford as soon as I hang up. Good. I won't keep you waiting. Goodbye. <laughs> Expense account. Item three. One cent. For weight and fortune on a scale at the drugstore. The card told me my weight was 185. And I made friends easily. Expense account, item 4, $1.80. Cab fare back to Mrs. Palmer's apartment. On the way, I suppose I should have been worried about the $100,000 worth of policy. But that didn't seem to bother me. There was the newsboy who never knew what hit him. And there was the girl I was going to have to tell about it. But I knew before I even got to the apartment that she'd never believe me. I don't believe you. Of course you don't. You don't want to. You don't want to believe anything bad about him. You want to just go on complimenting yourself on being married to the greatest man on earth. But you are way wrong. Where is he? I don't know. And you can't make me believe you. Why would he kill anybody? My guess is he's doing it for you. That's a terrible thing to say. 
He wouldn't do anything wrong for me. He took out an insurance policy that he couldn't afford. Why do you think he did that? I don't know. I, I never understood about business. He's sure got you. Some people have collie dogs, and he's got you. He comes home and pats you on the head, so you'll look up at him and tell him how wonderful he is. You know why? Because nobody else will. You just don't understand. You just don't understand at all. How dare you? How long has it been since he treated you like a woman? Brought you things like candy and flowers? When was the last time he spent an evening with you? Why are you saying these things? I'm trying to tell you that he failed, both as a writer and as a husband. Don't you see? He's trying to make it up to you. He wants the police to kill him so you'll collect the insurance. That's a lie. Where is he, Marion? Hello? Yes. No. No, he's here now. Why do you say that? No. Stuart, where are you? He hung up. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Why is this happening? <laughs> well, look who's here. I wish Palmer was as easy to find as you are. Well, you won't find him here. Does she know where he is? No. He just phoned and wouldn't tell her. <sighs> well, looks like a long night. Yeah, for her too. Mind if I ride back to the Madison District with you? That's quite a theory, Dollar. What happens to a guy to get him in a mess like this? I don't know. Burned too many bridges, I guess. Made a stand with his agent, told everybody he'd show them he was right. And now he can't do it. People. I don't know, maybe I've been in homicide too long. I used to think a lot about things like this. You know, wonder about what started these characters. What got them to the place where I'd have to go after them. But no more. The problems aren't mine. All I worry about now is how to get them without getting anyone else hurt. Oh, you've got a nice, simple job, Lieutenant Kerrigan. Yeah, I was thinking of that. You want them alive? The insurance company does. I hope it works out for you. But I can't take any chances. We always try to save them for a trial. But if you're right about this one, he'll come out with a gun. Those are the kinds we have to stop. You know, this could turn into a very unpleasant situation. The lieutenant was kind enough to drop me at the Atomic Tavern. The place was almost empty. The sirens had frightened most of the clientele out of the precinct. All except one. He sat in the same position at the same table with what looked like the same glass of beer. Hello, Beasley. Mr. Beasley, I was expecting you. Sit down. Thanks. How's the insurance business? Sometimes we sell too much. You know where Palmer is? Sure. 
I always know where Palmer is. He tells me things he wouldn't tell anyone else. He's my boy. You may not care, Mr. Beasley, but you just made yourself an accessory to insurance fraud. Not until I tell the police where he is. Then your company is out the hundred grand. And you're in ten? I'll tell you the truth. I don't want that money. I don't want a penny of that money. Oh, it looked good at first. Guy wanted to give his wife a break. Offered me ten grand to help him out. How did you help him? Take right now, for instance. I could have tipped the cops twice a minute since it happened. In fact, I was supposed to. The cops would have killed him. The wife and I would have collected our money. But I can't do it. Isn't it a little late for boy scouting? Not if you can talk him out of it. Where is he? No cops. No cops. Just as soon as I finish my beer. Expense account, item five, ten cents for Beasley's beer. We walk down Halstead with the red streetcars rumbling by and the fruit trucks and the chicken wagons. I didn't notice the name of the street we turned west on, but a block and a half later, we stopped two doors away from a basement barber shop. Well, that's where he is. You're crazy to go in there. Are you staying out here? No, I'm going in. But I'm crazy, too. That's why you should never listen to a guy like me. Palmer's got nothing to lose. How much do they pay you for getting killed? Come on. If you're going, let's go. Okay. Palmer? Palmer? It's Beasley. Let me in. Good work, Neil. Bring him in quick. You've got a good line, Beasley. Mr. Beasley. So good, I believe it myself. What's that supposed to mean? Oh, Palmer, it's a bad deal. All the way around. What do you want to do, make history? You won't go down in any books. What's got into you? You only lay out the whole thing. Oh, yes. It looked good, but it won't work. He's right, Palmer. It won't work. I put through a cancellation request on your policy. It hasn't gone through yet. If it had, you wouldn't have come here. It's no good, Palmer. Even if it doesn't come through, they'll fight it in court after you're dead. We've got too much against you. How far will they get without your testimony? You aren't going to be around to give it. That's no good either. If you kill me, that'll clinch it. Use your head, Palmer. You've got a chance. The newsboy is only a second-degree rap. There was no premeditation. You're trying awful hard to save that company of yours a hundred thousand bucks. Listen, listen. There's not a commission big enough to make me come here. Then why did you come? I don't know. Maybe because way back in my mind I thought to myself... Maybe I can get to this guy. Maybe it was your wife that made me come. I just saw her, Palmer. You know, you aren't doing her any favors, getting herself killed. She loves you too much. You can't buy a thing like that with a hundred grand. They're coming. I didn't tip them. They must have followed us down. Doesn't make any difference how they got here, just so they come. Watch it, Dollar. 
stay away from me. Nobody's gonna stop me now. This is what they all wanted. Like the big literary agent with his big promises. Great play, he tells me. And the old friends, they'll cut the story out of the papers and they'll save it in a desk drawer. Poor Stu, they'll say. He could have been a good boy. And they could save it. It's gonna pay off. And that's what counts. It won't pay off, and you know it. The only guy who wants it this way is you, because you haven't got the guts to go on. Palmer, we know you're in there. We'll give you 30 seconds, Palmer. I'll be right out! Palmer, it's... Wait! Palmer, it's for nothing. Oh, it's no use, Starla. He's going to do it. Better lie down on the floor. Stuart. Stuart, are you in there? Marion, get away from here. I want to talk to you, Stuart. Open the door. Come on in here. Marion, what are you doing here? I came with the lieutenant. Don't do it, Stuart. I don't want money that way. Did they make you come in here? No. No, I wanted to come. Don't do it, Stuart, please. Goodbye, Marion. Stuart, don't go. Stuart, come back. Let go of me. Stuart! Get down on the floor. No! Get down. There's nothing you can do. Stop, Palmer! Stop! As you know, Palmer's policy was not canceled before he died, but I'm sure that with the staff of legal geniuses employed by the Britannia Company, you'll come out all right. A soft judge gave Beasley 60 days for attempted insurance fraud, and that was it. Expense account, item 6, same as item 1, transportation, Chicago to Hartford. Expense account total, $635.24. Oh. Almost forgot. Item 7. 35 cents. A tip to Western Union boy. Telegram from Marion Palmer. Contents. Thought you'd like to know. Stewart's play accepted for production on Broadway. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars Joe Stofko in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd and David Ellis, with music composed and conducted by Lee Stevens. Selected sound effects from Free Sound. Additional music from Incompetech.filmmusic.io. Featured in tonight's cast were Jan Dider as Ms. Ramey, Lothar Tuppen as Lieutenant Kerrigan, Tanya Malojevic as Marion Palmer, Pete Lutz as George Michael Koff and the Barkeep, John Bell as Roscoe and the Newsboy, Jeff Billard as Neil Beasley, Joshua Price as Mr. Sandal, Carl Lawrenson as Sergeant Markowitz, and Jack Ward as Stuart Palmer. This program is dedicated to our dear, groovy friend, Bill Hallweg, and is a co-production of Audio Groovecats and the Amigos for the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse and the Mutual Audio Network. This is John Bell speaking.
Thank you so much to Jeff Pillard, the Audio Groove Cats, the Amigos Collective, and all involved for our first gala performance. And what an amazing one it was. Please join me here next week, same time on the Sunday Showcase for the Sonic Society podcast and the Mutual Audio Network as we present the amazing Pete Lutz, the Narada Radio Company, and Algiers. Until then. And that concludes this week's performance of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. All productions, features, characters and scripts presented in the Playhouse belong strictly to their respective copyright holders and no copyright infringement is assumed or intended. The Sonic Summerstock Playhouse is part of the Sonic Society and a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network and any shows that continue their run must receive express permission from all parties involved. Join us next week for another new classic. With thanks to our announcer, Jack Ward, I'm your host, David Alt. Good night. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. Hello listeners, it's Nadroom 2023. That is the National Audio Drama Scriptwriters Month, where every year on the darkest and shortest month of the year, audio playwriters everywhere take the various challenges. Go to sonicsociety.org and click on Nazrim to accept your challenge today.